On today's episode of Cairo Business Builders, it's a great one because we're going to give you a little inside look into why you should be joining your state and local chiropractic organizations. I'm joined by Dr. Craig York, the Arkansas Chiropractic Physician Association President. That is a mouthful. His passion for the chiropractic profession is unmatched by anyone I know, and you're going to leave this podcast with a restored sense of pride in your profession. Let's jump on in. You're listening to the Cairo Business Builders Podcast, giving you behind-the-scenes access to the world's top chiropractors and how they built and scaled their business. Here's your host, Tabitha Thomas. Welcome to the Cairo Business Builders Podcast, the podcast that gives you an inside look into some of the most successful chiropractic offices. We talk about all the ins and outs of running a highly successful chiropractic practice. Today I have with me Dr. Craig York with York Chiropractic. He is the current president of the Arkansas Chiropractic Physician Association. That's a mouthful. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. York. I'm so excited to have you with us. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, so I always like struggle. Do I call it like the full name or do you call it the ACPA? Like I bounce between the two. It is a mouthful. I prefer ACPA. It's easier. Sometimes right. I just abbreviate and leave out the physicians and call it the Arkansas Chiropractic Association. But that's oh, there the you go. That, that's why former name that we had at one point. Yeah, it doesn't get as a uh, tongue tied. So, so tell me a little it's bit about your journey. What inspired you to become a chiropractor in the first place? Well, I had a, uh, my first inspiration in life career wise was uh, a rock and roll singer. So I went to Los Angeles to en engage in uh, that endeavor and ended up becoming a singing waiter for many years. And uh, then I was involved in a serious car accident one morning and my life changed. My energy levels, which were normally very high, um, and granted, I was. I was 28 years old when I had this accident. I ran 20 miles a week. I lifted two or three times a week. I didn't think, as most young men that age do, that you could hurt me. Yeah. You know, barring bleeding to death or, you know, breaking a bone or something, I just thought any kind of trauma I'd be able to survive, and I didn't do well with this, and I didn't come back quickly at all. And so I developed chronic headache pain, neck, shoulder pain, and eventually lower back pain and had limited range of motion in my neck. And, you know, you manage things when you're, when you're hurt like that. You just go on with your life, but it just compromised the quality of my life severely. And at that time, my roommate got a record deal with RCA, and long story short, ended up really not being very successful uh, in terms of selling records. And his band was better than my band, so that initiated in my mind a, uh, a need to change course in my life. And it sounds bad, but um, understand that at the time that this experience happened to me, I didn't really know what I know now about chiropractic, but I was sitting in my chiropractor's waiting room and the door to his treatment area opened and a beautiful woman walked out and a light bulb went off in my head and I thought, hmm, this could be a really great job. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Again, I told you it wouldn't sound good, <laughs> but I... Um, I walked in. I said, hey, I've, I've got over 100 hours in different majors in college, and what does it take to do this? So that was my motivation at that point, just sort of to have a good job and to move away from um, my lack of success as a uh, rock and roll singer. And uh, that uh, initiated the, uh, the effort to leave Los Angeles. I moved to Atlanta 
uh, to attend Life University, and that's where I got my chiropractic degree. Nice, nice. So after, I love the, I love the story. Each one of them, every person that I've asked how they become a chiropractor, it is so drastically different. Um, so I love asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all have a story. That's interesting. <laughs> Actually, no, I had another guest, uh, one of my first guests, she, her husband was a chiropractor and she worked for him and he flat out told her that she couldn't be what he was. And by golly, she, uh, went to college the next week and she, uh, is still a successful chiropractor and he is not. <laughs> so, and I'm guessing they're not married any longer. No, they are not married anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But it's always, they're always good stories to tell. But anyway, so right after you got out of college, did you open your own practice? Did you go work for somebody else? What did the, what the journey look like getting you to where you are today? Well, I was highly motivated. I had two children in college, so I had a big uh, overhead already. Mm -hmm. And I uh, was very cocky. So I was, I, I, I probably uh, benefited from the fact that I didn't know uh, what I didn't know. And so I went headlong into it and found a practice in Little Rock, Arkansas that um, was for sale for $5,000. Didn't have anything in terms of equipment, didn't have a whole lot in terms of patience, but it was a start. It was a foot in the door and it was cheap and I could afford it. So I actually bought the practice that I ended up um, working in while I was still in school. So I hadn't yet graduated when I had the practice bought. Again, five thousand dollars not a lot of money, not even in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. But um, it was a it was a fifty two year old practice. It was uh, the doctor there was doing the kind of work that I uh, had found most effective uh, while I was in uh, chiropractic college for my problems, and so that was the technique I wanted to pursue. And this was an opportunity, so. I uh, drove up to from Atlanta to Little Rock one weekend and looked it over and made a deal. So I started right out right out of uh, school. Matter of fact, I, I had to go back and walk with my class. At that time, I don't know if they still do it, but you could take extra courses and graduate a uh, quarter early. So I had engaged in that program. So I was out a little bit before my classmates were. But yeah, I was uh, gung ho, to say the least. Hit the All about it. Running. So, how many years have you been in business now? I'm in my 29th year. That's incredible! Incredible! Congratulations! That is in itself just congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so, Doesn't seem like that long. But. Well, when you enjoy what you're doing, it, it never seems like a day of work, right? So true. So what would you say has been your most successful technique for getting new business through the door? In those 29 years, I'm sure you've, you've tried a billion things and there's probably one thing that's worked more than others. Well, um, as a new chiropractor, I did everything I could do. I did uh, an infomercial um, on uh, store cable was the cable provider in Little Rock at the time. I did a 30 minute uh, infomercial. Um, I did uh, mall screenings at Park Plaza Mall and the other one, I think it was called University Mall. Uh, I did those on the weekends. Um, I joined Kiwanis clubs, Rotary clubs. Um, I spoke to whomever would listen to me, uh, whether the audience was 100 people or one. And I think probably of all those things, meeting people 
in whatever format you're most comfortable with, whether it be civic organizations, church organ, uh, churches, or um, any other uh, organization where you can become known by others. Mm-hmm. Because the, the problem is that people don't know chiropractors. They don't know what chiropractic is, and they can't get what chiropractic is unless they talk to a chiropractor. So that gives them the opportunity to meet someone. It's kind of like, I don't know if this is appropriate for this program or not, but um, when Ellen DeGeneres came out, uh, it was a bit shocking to uh, mainstream U.S., and I believe her show was at that time canceled because of it. Now you go to Bed Bath & Beyond, and you buy Ellen DeGeneres sheets because I've done this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what my point is, is that we didn't know a whole lot about lesbianism, but when we met and got to know Ellen DeGeneres, we realized she's okay. So we accepted, maybe we didn't, but to a large degree, I think we have accepted who she is and we haven't condemned her for who she is because we got to know that she's really a great person. So I think that's true with chiropractic too. People are skeptical going in. They're not sure what this is all about. They're not sure that it works. They're not sure that it's not harmful and or or painful. And so when they meet you and they are reassured by who you are, they can have developed at least enough trust where they're willing to make that next step and make an appointment. Because the truth is everybody's got the same problems. We are a nation as the opioid uh, epidemic um, has made painfully clear we are a nation of people who are in pain, and that motivates people to engage in healthcare. And their options, as they see it, are limited to drugs and surgery. And chiropractic has always been the profession that's offered a alternative to that approach. So, so I'd say get out, meet people, talk to people, tell them what you do, uh, but listen to them as well. Don't come off as cocky. Don't come off as arrogant. Be humble out there because they're like every profession that has some degree of stigma to it. There's a stereotype and that stereotype is loud, boisterous, um, braggadocious, uh, making claims that are, cannot be substantiated. So I would say to any, any practitioner, curb your enthusiasm somewhat. So people just don't think that you're uh, a raving lunatic because the truth is for most of us who have been in chiropractic, we've seen the miracles. Many of us are the miracles. That's why we became chiropractors. But a patient doesn't know that, and they're not going to believe that you know, you're curing cancer, because likely you're not. But in terms of the chiropractic philosophy, they haven't had years of it as we chiropractors have mm-hmm. to understand chiropractic in a way that most people simply don't understand. So do you think you're not going to get there in 20 minutes? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But do you think that they're Mm -hmm. with the movement of the all natural health care with everything, everybody's trying to get back to natural and, and, and eat healthy Mm -hmm. and take all the sugars out of their body and all that. Do you think that chiropractic is going to see an uptick um, with how it's seen now that the health health environment is changing a little bit? I think um, you're seeing it in other aspects. I don't know that we're seeing it yet in chiropractic, but uh, for example, the West Virginia law that was passed last year and and West Virginia was a state that was heavily uh, overcome by opioids. And they passed a law that mandated that chiropractic be an option prior to writing a script for an opioid. um, And that a insurance policy written in West Virginia had to include 
chiropractic coverage at a minimum of 20 visits. So I think the opioid crisis um, has uh, changed people's view of how to manage pain um, because we once again see that the the chemical approach to health is lacking mm-hmm. and people are unsatisfied by it. And to say lacking is probably the nicest thing I could say. It's dangerous. It is. Medical research indicates this to us all the time. Um, and so I even think uh, changing attitudes toward marijuana is, is in part due to the public's assessment of uh, what's appropriate uh, in terms of the human body and management of uh, health issues and what's inappropriate and what's dangerous and what's not and what's natural and what's uh, synthetic. And, you know, for most of us who've been in chiropractic for a long time, um, we've realized that nature trumps, um, nature's intelligence trumps man's intelligence all the time. That doesn't mean that we throw out all the medicines and, and uh, stop doing surgeries. There are times when it's the best we can do. It's, at times, it's the only thing we can do. And at times, it's life-saving. Yeah. But the problem, is most chiropractors know, is patients go to that first because that's the societal message. And so I think that message, in lieu of, of some of the negative aspects of um, chemical intervention, is uh, potentially uh, will, will uh, manifest into a greater acceptance of all alternative approaches to health, including chiropractic. I agree. I agree. So I'm going to switch gears for just a second and talk about the fact that you are the president of the ACPA and what got you involved in your association. Because That's not something that we talk about a whole lot, especially on this podcast is associations. So what got you involved in it and why should somebody want to become involved with their local association? Well, uh, we have an interesting profession. Let's let's start there. In that we have very little uh, participation in state and uh, federal or national or international organizations in chiropractic. Within stigmatized professions, it tends to be true that an individual in that profession seeks to remove him or herself from the group because the group is being criticized. So the common approach is to say, well, yes, I'm a chiropractor, but I'm not like those chiropractors. So we tend to isolate ourselves sometimes, I think, in thinking that that makes us uh, impervious, maybe, to criticism uh, of the profession at at large. Mm -hmm. So I think the number one thing that chiropractors need to do is, first of all, embrace that you're a chiropractor. And that within that context, there are uh, positives and negatives, as with any profession. And what do you want to do? What do you owe to your profession? For me, um, my willingness to become president, which is not a job, by the way, that people are standing in line for. (laughs) 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 Seriously, I know, it's shocking. Um, It's not a job that pays anything. Um, it requires, uh, oh, a minimum of probably five to 10 hours a week directly associated and then not counting all the little emails and what have you and little dust stuffs that come up and things that you're asked to manage or, uh, direct, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But for me, uh, having gotten so much from chiropractic 
and having to uh, or being able to raise a family in chiropractic and see uh, these children grow up without drugs and without surgery. Um, and I, I say that not exclusively. I have four children and all four of them collectively in their histories and their eight, first 18 years of life have had seven or had seven rounds of antibiotics. Oh, wow. I've had infants in my practice or one-year-olds that have had that many rounds of antibiotics in their first year. Yeah. And again, this is all four of them combined, not each of them. So that to me was, you know, as a parent, there's nothing greater than your child's health. It's greater than your health. And so when you're able to do that and um, have that uh, benefit and then to make a living, make a good living, being able to deliver the chiropractic service and have the joy of seeing how the results of that day in and day out, you know, there's just a, no greater gift. And so I look at it as a gift and I want to give back because I got this great thing. And, you know, it, it saddens me that so many people have never had or will never have the experience of being aligned by a chiropractor. They'll never know what spinal and musculoskeletal balance is, neurological integrity is. They're always compromised. They've been compromised from the day they were born when someone grabbed their head and pulled them out at an angle and subluxated their neck and that child becomes colicky and ear infections and sleep disorders and won't breastfeed and on and on. So for me, it was uh, in part, I think my willingness to do it was in part because I felt I owed the profession something. So I would start with, with that, you know, in terms of if I were to talk to a non-member and say, and they asked me that question and say, well, first of all, do you feel like you got something from this profession or do you feel like it owes you? Because if you feel the latter, then you're probably not going to be uh, someone who's going to give their money to an association to support your right to do what you do. And that's really what the, the uh, association's for. So number one, I think you should be a member of the, uh, there are two organizations in uh, Arkansas and they represent the two general sides of our profession, which not to get into a whole bunch of political stuff, but centers around um, chiropractic practice based on removing the subluxation, which is the founding principle of our profession, or chiropractic practice, which engages in natural means to facilitate health in a variety of, of uh, approaches. And those two groups tend to be represented nationally through the ACA versus the ICA. And in our state and many other states, the Arkansas Chiropractic Society versus the Arkansas Chiropractic Physicians Association. So we are the subluxation-based group. It's not that we discriminate against anybody. You're a chiropractor. We'd love to have you as a, a member. And ultimately, we'd love to have the two organizations join. But the other organization is focused on prescriptive rights for chiropractors, and we are not supportive of that. That is a dilution of our message to the degree that we do not believe it, it supports the profession going forward. We don't see it as an advancement. And there's very little political support for it on the medical side anyway, so it may just be a simple moot point, but the truth is that the ACPA um, is the fixation-based organization. So my feeling is if that's where you see your chiropractic practice, we are the organization that's going to support that for you and maintain your ability to deliver that um, service going forward and, uh, and hopefully promote that more people can have that and get that service from you. For example, last year, 
we passed a law that eliminated the mandation that a Medicaid patient go to a medical doctor to get a referral to a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we did that through our lobbyist, Robbie Wills. And uh, Robbie is a significant expense uh, of our organization. It is our, he is our number one expense. But we know that we cannot move chiropractic forward unless we can protect our rights and that moving the practice, our practices or our profession forward demands that we have someone who is a liaison between the chiropractic community in in Arkansas and the legislative bodies. So uh, if if you don't uh, believe that uh, we're doing some good, I believe that every chiropractor in the state of Arkansas benefited from the removal of that barrier to chiropractic services, and particularly with children. Parents, you know, adults can speak for themselves, yeah. but children can't. And when we had, and medical doctors really get nervous when we talk about chiropractic and children. I don't know what they think we do to them, but they have a uh, exceptional uh, resistance to refer a patient uh, who under 18, and particularly under five, uh, to a chiropractor. So we eliminated that and that helped everybody in the state of Arkansas. And that's kind of our point. We cannot do this kind of work without members. So we need numbers to have power and we need money to grease the wheels because like it or not, that's the way the system works. So I would say that, um, from my perspective, each of us who have a license in Arkansas have an obligation to join one or the other organization relative to, again, how you see your practice. And our organization is not about to tell people what they can or cannot do. And ultimately, ultimately we think we would be more powerful if we were unified. But we're not going to compromise our principles to do that. So we'll just represent at this point uh, those chiropractors who feel that they are based on the original tenets of chiropractic. And, uh, and we'll go from that perspective. But... I think it's important that that chiropractors look at reasons to be a member as opposed to reasons or beefs that prevent them from being a member because everybody's got those. So we get the the complaints. Well, once we become one organization, then I'll participate. Or once so-and-so gets off the board, then I'll play with you. Or once I get on the board, uh, then I'll, I'll, I'll participate or, um, uh, once you you uh, create legislation to resolve my issue with this insurance company um, or whatever it may be that, that they require uh, as a prerequisite to membership, if that's the situation, then likely that person is, is never going to be uh, a member. But somebody else is going to, the truth is that somebody else is going to do the work for them and someone else is going to uh, cough up um, the money to contribute to the cost. Yeah. And so from that regard, I think you, uh, you know, if you're looking at it from perspective of, well, if I don't join, I get something for free. They do all the work. I don't have to pay for it. And uh, I sit back and, uh, and receive the benefits. But that's kind of a weak position as far as I'm concerned. So I encourage all chiropractors to in, in Arkansas to join uh, one of the national organizations and one of the state organizations because you need to be represented. And uh, you need your voice heard, and that's a way to do it. 
I agree. I love it. That was a very at the expense of being too preachy about that. No, no, I like it because I think that it it's hearing somebody's point of view on it, and it's and it's it's fantastic. I like it. So, um, last question that I've got, and it's one of my favorites to ask, is if you could give one advice to a chiropractor who's listening right now, who's looking to build their practice up, what advice would you give them? Um. It's always the most difficult. Um, one go all in would be the, the advice I would give them. Uh, don't expect that the profession is going to do it for you. You have this wonderful tool in your hand. You have this knowledge to affect health in your hands. And you, uh, you must find a way to be successful in delivering it. And you can't do it if you just sit back and go, I'm going to wait for this to happen. You have to get out. You have to talk to people. You have to meet people. You have to be proactive. Again, I think you have to be humble. Um, but you have to commit to your craft. You know, the, the people we hold on pedestals as successful. And I think in terms of that, too, we need to define success. What is that success? How do you define it? Um, is it a number of people you see a week or a day? Is it the amount of money you make a year? You know, for some people, it's, it's uh, like I said, a, a, a yacht and a, a mansion. For other people, uh, they may want just to make enough money to where they can spend more time with their family. Yeah. You know, so uh, we have all these uh, criteria for what success is. But I think, number one, determine what that is for you. What do you want? And be as specific as you can about what it is you want. And then the next question you have to ask yourself is, what am I willing to do and to give to get it? And I went to Life University, and the motto of that school was to love, to do, to serve, to give. And that's where I think chiropractors, when you come from that perspective, people get that. Mm -hmm. You know, and they, they want, they, they understand your passion, and they'll believe that you can give them what they want. Because it's a trust issue. But there's, you know, we can't just throw a shingle out. And expect people to go, oh, there's a chiropractor. I need to call and make an appointment. That doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. So, again, you've got to be willing to be the best you can at, your, um, at delivering the service. And however you want to do it, know that technique. Know that approach. And continue from day one and realize, uh, for example, when I was at Life University, there was a, we had a bunch of epitaphs on the, on the wall. I think that's what they're called signs of little, you know, one or two sentences. And mm -hmm. one that I'll never forget was, if you think you're ripe, you begin to rot. And the point simply is, you're never good enough. Don't rest on your laurels. You're not coming out of college. You have you know, a, a student coming out of college today probably knows more than I knew, certainly when I graduated 29 years ago, and many things that I have forgotten now. But what I know from 29 years of experience is how to deliver the chiropractic service and be successful at getting that patient well, because that's the criteria they're going to judge you on. Yep. And you can talk a blue streak. It will eventually come down to, can your adjustments, can your approach make me feel better? That's what the patient is paying for. Will it make me healthier? You know. And so if you can't do that coming out of school and you don't have the, like I said earlier in the, in the, in the podcast, I didn't know what I didn't know, and thank mm -hmm. God for that. Uh, had I not, uh, had I realized what I didn't know, which is virtually impossible, I probably would have stopped right then. Yeah, but you got to keep pu pushing through, and you have to let your mistakes 
guide you and you have to learn from them. And, and again, listen to patients. I'll never forget. I had a, uh, and I, you know, I, I bought a existing practice and a patient, uh, came in that was a, a patient of the previous chiropractor. And I essentially told her that she was not, um, in need of an adjustment. She was balanced. Well, she disagreed with me. And as it turned out, she was right. I wasn't listening. Yeah. I had turned off, you know, the, 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 uh, my humbleness and my ego surface. I was like, no, no, I know. Cause I'm the doctor. You don't need to be treated today. Well, that was, that was wrong. And I never saw her again. And thinking back on it, I thought, you know what? I should have done something else to determine, well, maybe she's right. But yeah. instead I sort of dug into my position. So I think we need to be, like I say, humble and, and, um, uh, and appreciative of the art and science of chiropractic and be willing to learn more all the time because, and another thing I would say for, for new uh, chiropractors and the Arkansas Chiropractic Physicians Association offers this and that's find a mentor, mm. anybody. I was about you to know, ask People that. like me that would be happy to share my expertise. I would happy, uh, be happy for my office to share uh, how they run the office and how they build things because you're going into this whole a uh, new world that doesn't, uh, you know, that, that in school is not completely covered. No. So you need help from people that have done it before. You know, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Ask for help. There are people out there that are more than willing to help you become successful because, you know, the, the higher tide rises all boats. Yep. That's what we're looking for. I love that. I love that analogy. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. I love listening to you talk so passionately about what you love and that's chiropractic. Well, thank you so much. It's, that's not hard to do. <laughs> you can ask my, my staff, but talking is not my weak point. <laughs> talking neither. too much is it's not getting something out. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you, you, uh, you asked me to do this. I appreciate that opportunity. All right. Well, if you like what you heard on today's episode, make sure you subscribe and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Cairo Business Builders Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to click the subscribe button and leave us a review. Tune in next time for more behind-the-scenes business and marketing stories from the world's top chiropractors. This podcast is sponsored by Content DFY. Chiropractic marketing for doctors by doctors. Find out more at contentdfy.com.